Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That. This is the podcast where we celebrate films we think might be underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. I'm the host for this week, Josh, and I'm joined as ever by Alice. Alice, say hello to the lovely people. Hello, lovely people. How are you all doing? <laughs> How are you doing, Josh? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm not too bad. I'm very excited because we've not uh, we've got another brilliant guest mm-hmm. for this week. Uh, she is a writer. She's a podcaster. She's a a cat lover. She also <laughs> loves Keanu Reeves and Grease 2 and all that. We are joined by M at Verbal Diorama. M, how are you? Hi. That is literally the perfect way I've ever been described, ever. <laughs> You've basically summarised me exactly as, as a... I wish to be summarised. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like on your gravestone. Um, oh, absolutely. Podcaster, writer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, not that anyone's wishing me dead, but... No, no. Yeah, no. Josh, don't make it weird. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was perfect. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hello, I'm so hello, delighted hello. to be here. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We've already got so much in common, but we're not here to talk about <laughs> Grease 2 and Keanu Reeves. We no, will talk about other things. Not. <laughs> We'll make, that, uh, we'll make that, we'll do a special and I just won't be there for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we always start with a completely random question when we, have, when we have a guest. I'll go to Alice first and then I'll come to you, Em. Alice, simple one this week. Simple question, difficult answer. What's the best chocolate bar? Uh, gotta say, gotta say a double decker. I do love a double decker. It's got everything. You've got the chocolate, you've got the biscuit, you've got the nougat. And sometimes now you get like a duo decker. So you're getting like even more Decker. Love a double Decker. But also or a Dinky boost. Decker. They do dinky the, Decker. Do love a Dinky Decker. Dinky, dinky Decker. But yeah, love a boost. I love the more decadent ones because it's like if I'm having a chocolate bar, I want to go all out and have the chocolate I'm, bar with the highest calorie count. I'm just not bothered on a double Decker, Alice. You're not, sorry. No. Oh, you're going to say something like Kit Kat or something on you or like a Twix? No, like, I'm not going to say Kit Kat. <laughs> No, I'm not going to say Kit Kat. Kit Kat Chunky. No. Um, right. So, Double Decker or Boost, which is it out of those two? Probably Double Decker. Boost gives me fuzzy teeth mm. a little bit because it's so yeah, high sugar. So much, so much sugar yeah, in a Boost, yeah, yeah. isn't there? It's like, it's like marathon it. running chocolate. Yeah, you feel it afterwards. It's like, yeah, yeah. Em, uh, what about you? Are you a chocolate lover? <laughs> Sorry. Um, can I just say, <laughs> Boost? Boosts are excellent. I haven't had a Boost <sighs> in so long. 
No, Some of you I feel like I want to go to the shop after we record just to get a boost. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I think they do a it's duo so boost as well, which is oh, like my God. even is that, more boost. So, do you mean a duo boost where it's like the Snickers duo double. or it's two? Yeah, so there's double. two. Double so the, and the individual bars are a little bit smaller than the full size bar, but there's two of them. So you're looking at about 900 calories per <laughs> duo bar. But yeah, delicious. I know, but it, they taste amazing. Oh, they're so good. So uh, I'm, I must admit, I'm not the biggest fan of the double decker. I didn't even know oh. dinky deckers even existed. I'm clearly oh, yeah. out of that of the loop with double decker laws. Yeah, they're in, min in miniature heroes, aren't they? Is oh, that right. They're, they're, okay. Okay. So you get okay. you get dinky deckers, and then they do the mini crunchy with bits. Oh yeah, that's now also good. In, in the in the miniature heroes. The thing is, I, I feel a bit weird now because Alice, you just kind of took the Mickey out of the. Chocolate that I'm gonna I, I thought this was a risk. This was a risk when I said it. Is it a Kit say, Kat or a Twix? Kat. Uh, well, it's actually a Kit Kat Chunky. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Kit Kat uh, Chunky I love a Kit is an Kat excellent. Chunky. I will have a the, Kit Kat Chunky. <laughs> we bring a guest on, Alice, and you rip know, their chocolate so choice. Should've it's vetted rude. Me first, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's I should have told you. I should have been like, I'm going to be choosing Kit Kat Chunky, Alice. Yeah. Do not Warning. say anything bad about Kit Kats. <laughs> God damn you. Um, no, the thing about Kit Kat Chunky is, Kit Kats on their own are fine, but they're really small. Mm -hmm. So it's like mm. you can demolish a normal size, you know, I'm talking like four-finger Kit Kat. Don't even bother with a two-finger Kit Kat because it's not even <laughs> no. worth don't it. Don't come at me with two fingers, like. Don't, don't bring me your pack lunch Kit Kat. <laughs> this, this is the potential to go a bit innuendo, but don't give me two fingers. <laughs> no, don't do it. Give me four fingers if you're going to give me any fingers, right? Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, right? But... Kit Kat Chunky is obviously, it's only the one finger, let's be fair, but it's huge. <laughs> it's got girth. It's, it's, got, it's got girth, it's got length. And also, the, the amount of chocolate is, there's, there's loads. It's like really thick chocolate around your, you know, your extra large Kit Kat base. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I do enjoy a Kit Kat Chunky, just a normal one, but I also like a peanut butter Kit Kat Chunky oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so we'll move on to talking about this week's film, which is one that M has chosen, which is the Brady Bunch movie from 1995. So, spoiler warnings if you've not seen a film from nearly 30 years ago. Um, M, as we said, you picked this one. So, tell us what it's about and tell us why did you pick it? Okay, well, the Brady Bunch movie. So, it's the story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. All of them had <laughs> hair of gold like their mother the youngest one in curls. It's the story of a man named Brady who was busy mm. with three boys of his own. They were four men living together, yet they were all alone. Till one day, the lady met this fellow and they knew it was much more than a hunch that this group must somehow form a family. And that's the way they all became the Brady Bunch. And they have to pay a sudden $20,000 tax bill or risk losing their homes. So it's basically a film about them raising $20,000 to pay a tax bill that comes out of nowhere. Mm. <laughs> and, that, and that's it. Um, that was and beautiful. why did I pick this? Um, well, it was one of those. It just, it just kind of came to me when you said, well, what do you want to cover? And I sent, uh, I, sent I think I sent about five. Yes, uh, different options through. And this one just kind of really stood out, I guess, because firstly, I don't think there are many podcasts that actually talk about the Brady Bunch movie. No. Nope. Um, and therefore, I kind of feel like it might possibly be a little bit underseen because maybe not a lot of people have seen it to talk about it. 
Um, and also, I, I feel like it is actually quite underrated because I always laugh at this movie. And I don't know if maybe that's just my sense of humor. Um, mm. But it's just really sweet and kind of a bit naive, actually. Um, but I really like that. Everyone seems really perfectly cast as well, especially if you compare the look of like the original um, series, which I never saw, by the way. I don't have any connection to the original mm. series. Uh, this was literally mm -hmm. something that I just saw one day and I just thought, this is really funny. I really like this. And yeah, it's, it's like, well, your podcast is all about stuff that's underseen, underrated. And I was like, I don't think there's anything in this country more underseen and underrated than something like the Brady Bunch movie. It's, I don't know. It's probably, just, I think, yeah, I think you've got, probably got a good point there. It's yeah, certainly it's not well. Well, yeah. well, I haven't seen it before. Uh, I had heard of it and I was familiar with the Brady Bunch. But the only reason I was familiar with it is through reference in other American TV. Yeah. Um, so obviously it's a classic American. It's probably, I was thinking whilst I was watching it and trying to prep for this, I was thinking, what is the equivalent of this, you know, in this country? It's probably something like Faulty Towers or Only Fools and Horses, maybe Dad's Army, you know, the classic sitcom that sort of really influenced everything that came after it. So you probably would say, I mean, I don't know, what would you say, Alice? Had you seen it before? Uh, no, I hadn't seen it. I'd, I'd sort of heard of The Brady Bunch, hadn't ever seen that, didn't really know what it was about. But again, like you said, Josh, kind of familiar with it through pop culture references. So I think they talk about it a lot in Family Guy. Family Guy is Maybe the big they one. mention it in like Friends and The Simpsons and stuff like that. So I'd had, I'd drawn like little bits of information that it seemed like this, this twee, you know, quite wholesome show about this yeah. family basically. But mm. other than that, I didn't know anything about it. I'd never seen the show, didn't realize that there then was a movie. I'm very surprised that you hadn't seen the show, Em, because in my mind, it was like, oh, she must have loved the show. And then that's yeah. Yeah, no, the film. absolutely so not. Absolutely yeah. not. Never, never seen an episode of it. So if, no. if you didn't, if you hadn't seen the show, I'm interested, how did you come to find it? Or is it one of those where you just stumbled across it one day? I, I literally just stumbled across it. I think, I do mm. remember seeing the trailers for it when I was a kid. Um, because I remember it, it, there was definitely a trailer out there. It must have been before another movie that I watched or something like that. And I literally just came across it one day. It might have actually been at like the video rentals place or something like that. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, it's not something that I would say that I watch religiously. But, you know, I've, probably, <laughs> I've probably only seen it maybe two or three times uh, mm. in my life. But it's just, it's just such a wonderful parody of all of those like American sitcoms where you've got these, you know, these situations with families, but it's all okay at the end of the episode. And there's always like mm. a moral story. And it's, it's very much like that. Um, you know, and, and the fact it kind of, it pays homage to its source material and it parodies it as well. Um, mm. which yeah. is, is kind of really apparent, even if you've not seen the, the show and you're not um, you know, familiar with the show. But it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of become a little bit pop culture. Um, mm. and, and I remember when I said, um, you know, we talked about me doing this and I said I wanted to get a sure Jan in. Now, sure Jan is like, it's become a <laughs> meme sort of, you know, in the last like 10 years or so, the whole like sure Jan. Um, and that's actually in the sequel. And I completely forgot it was in the sequel because I thought it was in this one. But sure Jan has become like, it's become a thing. And yeah. no one really is fully aware that Sure Jan kind of comes from the, well, it's a very Brady sequel, but it's the sequel to the Brady Bunch movie. 
Yeah. And yeah. it's like, there's a, there's an actual meme for this franchise, which is yeah. quite crazy, really, if you think, well, no one's really seen this movie. How is there a meme for this franchise? It's, it's sometimes that sometimes that in, in this day and age, that can be a, a test of durability, can't it? When something becomes a meme or something becomes memorable and it becomes so memorable for one thing that even people forget where the source material has come from. Yeah. It's just that that's, you know, that that, that is it's like it's like all the like all the different you know memes and gifts that we're all that we're all aware of. They all come from somewhere. Um and that's the thing. And, that, and that's one one of the things I like about it, back to what you said there, was the way it pays homage and parodies the sitcom that it's from and general sitcoms in in in, in general because it does that thing where they keep going to wrap it up it's like they're all stood around and then because every episode would be at the end the dad wraps it up and it's all like oh well we're all back here and it's all fine and then no, one of them I makes a joke something today yeah, yeah, I exactly. did, yeah. Exactly. and then they also go <laughs> and then the yeah. and then the the credits are supposed to go except this that happens about three times in this film and obviously it's not finishing and it's almost like they've taken them out of the sitcom and put them in the real world and that's the real i think genius of the film is that yeah. as well as things like because I had to Google it because I've never seen the show, but I'm pretty sure they've written this and directed this as if it was, as if they think there's a laugh track. So it's as if the dialogue is as if mm. the characters think there's a laugh mm -hmm. track, but there isn't one. So I characters will say that. stuff and then I there's just like a pause. That. And that's got to be on purpose. That's not mm. like a, that's not like a mistake, is it? It's, it's, it's got to be a purposeful, yeah. we'll make it like it is a sitcom, except everything around them is normal. Yeah. So that's the real that's the real genius of the film. So overall, I mean, I, I'll come to Alice now, but I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was great fun. What did you think, Alice? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed it so much more than I thought I would. It wasn't that I had low expectations. I think I just had no expectations. Like I didn't know I didn't know what to what to kind of assume or what kind of expectations yeah, to have. But I knew because you'd picked it, Em, and you're obviously a big film person, I knew that there must be something to it. So even though on the surface it looks like this, you know, very, you know, quite saccharine, quite simple story in this very simple world, I was like, nah, there's got to be more to this because there's no way Em would have just picked this for no reason um but yeah I really really enjoyed it you've both mentioned there about it being a parody and I was kind of unsure for a bit I was like is this a parody or are they just is it just really like this but then of course because it's from 1995 of course it's a parody like if it was from maybe the 70s or early 80s you'd be yeah. like oh no they're being genuine you know they want people to really you know appreciate these characters for what they are there's no tongue-in-cheek there's no kind of undertones or anything but with this I feel like there was a lot going on under the surface mm. but there was so much to enjoy um but the the main thing I think that you do just notice instantly is the aesthetic of the whole thing obviously it's very vibrant the props are vibrant in themselves everything is very extreme everyone has their own very distinct and unique hairstyle and stuff and this reminded me a little bit of like Tim Burton filmmaking and yeah, like I, I kind of Edward Scissorhands or whatever it is like, a little bit and like then, when they're in the houses there and uh, is it Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka yeah. and the Chocolate Factory that Tim yeah, Burton yeah, yeah. did? So I kind of saw a, like a bit of him in this. Um, I thought it was really funny. I thought there was a lot it of really, really funny, funny moments. And you've got a really good mix of this kind of uh, physical kind of slapstick comedy yeah. and then a really witty script. And I thought the two, they just got the balance really right. And like it was so much funnier than I think I expected it to be. The bit where they go to the mall. 
and they're going down the escalator doing the opening credits and they're like uh, hands on each other's shoulders and they're popping either side of them mm. doing the think I'll go for a walk outside. That was funny. As- creased over like, laughing at that bit <laughs> yeah. I thought it was absolutely hilarious it reminded so I've got here that it, it, it's like a mix of Airplane Wayne's World and the Adams Family films from around the same time interesting yeah where yes. they, where I can they, see and that it, yeah. yeah and it's what I mean by that is they take characters who exist in a world whether that be a cartoon a sketch or whatever Airplane, I think, just for the sort of slapstick comedy, but particularly Wayne's World and the Anne's family, take characters that are very lovable and endearing, and then everyone around them is cynical. And they see, they are the odd ones, but but they do a job of making you align yourself with them. And so that fish out of water is where you get the comedy in this film. Like you said, Alice, the aesthetic really works in it because in their house, everything is so colourful and so 70s and the hair and the clothes and all that. And then as soon as they're outside of their house, it's grey and it's brown and it's grunge. It's the, you know, it's the peak of the of the grunge times yeah. in, the, in the 90s and that sort of thing. Um, which, and is, it, and it, which I think is represented really well and nicely with the soundtrack. So the yeah. soundtrack... Just just blew my mind like it starts with this real like late 80s early 90s sort of grunge song like it could be Pearl Jam or it could be Nirvana and then throughout you've got a lot of grunge music going on as these like kids are going about their day and stuff and I was like this is so weird like it doesn't really match at all but then it just heightens the fact that this family don't match exactly with their surroundings it's the the juxtaposition between this family that are literally from the 70s um like They've literally, it's like they've been picked up in the 70s. They've been put into the 90s. They've got no idea of the realities of the world. They're totally oblivious. It's almost like aliens have crash landed on Earth and they look like the Brady Bunch. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I love as well is that I I kind of feel like, because Josh, you mentioned a load of, um, you know, like Wayne's World and um, Police Academy and um, the Addams Family. And obviously all of those came from TV. So they were all based on on TV shows. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel like there was a time, kind of, you know, maybe sort of 90s into the 2000s, where everything, all the TV shows were being remade, because obviously we had Charlie's Angels, um, mm. Starsky and Hutch, mm. the Dukes of Hazard, the A-Team. And, well, you know, I kind of put Ch- uh, Charlie's Angels separate to all of those, because I love Charlie's Angels. I think it's super fun. And I think Charlie's <laughs> Angels is similarly, I think, a little bit of a parody of itself. But movies like Starsky and Hutch and the Dukes of Hazard and the A-Team, they were very much set in their worlds doing their thing. Mm. Um, and they were a little bit more kind of, they were comedies, but they were less self-aware comedies. Mm. Whereas the Brady Bunch with this family that has, has kind of come over from the 70s, and yet the movie about them is completely self-aware. Like it mm. knows what it's doing. And it knows it doesn't have to explain to the audience, oh, well, you know, the Brady Bunch, they hopped into a time machine one day and blah, 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 or whatever. It Because it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why they're still in the 70s. It's just the, the, the pure comedy that comes out of the fact that they are stuck in the 70s and yet they're in this grungy, um, you know, rock-filled, you know, long-haired, greasy, long-haired, you know, guys with these, you know, it's like, it's like going back to Clueless or something with the guys with the trousers around their, you know, ankles and stuff like that it's all very much like that i think that's that's the the way to do it is what you're saying there is you've got to make it self-aware if you just try and take the concept and adapt it it doesn't always work whereas if you poke fun at it and go you know 
it, nothing's changed, but we know we know it used to be like that sort of thing. That's why this works. I think it's the same reason why the Adams Family films work. Mm-hmm. Is you've got to not take it seriously. Yeah. Because when you do, you do end up with yeah, like trying to make old concepts work or trying to drag out a concept into a full-length film that just doesn't necessarily work. There are yeah. different ways of doing it. Like you mentioned there, I quite like that the the adaptation of the A team with Bradley Cooper and Liam Neeson in it and all that, but they don't they don't poke fun at it. They literally just adapt it for modern times. Exactly. And so that's yeah. And so it's a, it still works, but then that wasn't as successful as something like this when it came out. Certainly not critically anyway. Um but no, yeah, you're absolutely right. I really that's right, really, really enjoyed it. Oh well I'm glad that you both enjoyed it because I was a little bit like, you know, if they've not seen it, are they gonna like it? <laughs> well, and I thought that as well. And I was like, well, I haven't seen the show, so is this going to mean anything to me? You know, am I going to be able to kind of follow it or fall in love with these characters or whatever? But some of the writing is just so clever and so funny that you yeah. you are just with you are with them there. And Jan is just hilarious. Like her whole thing yeah. is hilarious. And her I'm a middle child. So yeah, yeah. So I, I can kind of relate, but her, you know, her inner monologue slash schizophrenia that she seems to have and how that impacts her life. It's so, it, it, there's kind of undertones of it being quite dark, but it's yeah. really funny at the same time. And it's like bringing this darkness to this otherwise very colourful landscape. And there was a few of this, a bit of this like attention to detail that I really, really enjoyed. So I don't know if you noticed this, guys, but when Cindy, Cindy's the name of the younger sister, isn't yes. yeah, yeah, the little yeah. one? So when she goes over to the neighbour's house, all the camera angles are really crooked as if it's some kind of like weird German expressionism film to obviously no, signify no, that like this guy, because he's like the, he's the villain of the story, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. He's trying to get them yeah. to sell their house. And all the camera angles are really crooked. And I was like, I just wasn't expecting that sort of attention to detail and that kind of level of filmmaking from something that on the surface, on the surface, it seems very simple and it presents itself as being quite one note and, and very superficial. But I, it's not really like there's layers to it and there's loads going on. I was, I just felt really pleasantly surprised. I think. Yeah, I, I loved, like you said, I loved the performance of the of, of who the girl who played Jan. I think it's Jennifer Elise Cox. I think mm. I think that's her name. I thought she was the standout. All the inner monologue stuff. It's just hilarious. It's like every so time funny, she thinks that it? stuff, and that and all when the faces she pulls, she cuts her sister's hair, yeah. and then and then, but oh, she looks beautiful with the short hair. Anyway, <laughs> oh my god, yeah. how bad is that wig? How terrible <laughs> yeah, yeah, is that wig? Yeah. It's like it's like it's done on purpose, and that's what yeah. I love about it. It's like they found the worst possible blonde wig mm-hmm. to put on the stunningly beautiful Christine Taylor, and it's just so terrible. And then it's like her hair is fine. <laughs> it's just yeah, I love it. I love it so. So much. did you say are you you say you're a middle child, aren't you, Alice? I couldn't remember if you were the young, the middle, or the um, youngest. Yeah, I'm the middle one. I was so I can you? relate what, to Jan. What, what, what about you, Em? <laughs> so I'm the oldest child. So uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm the, the oldest Marsha, child. Marsha, as well. Marsha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. Right, well, you're a couple yeah, of marshes, um, you two. <laughs> uh, but my my partner was watching it with me, and she is also the middle child. And I was texting my sister, who was the middle child, and obviously of our three, and she was just like. Oh, it's just so true. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just get ignored. Um, I, I, re- I thought Michael McKean was really good in this as well, who plays the villain. I thought he played, like, the slimy villain really well. Yeah, like, he does like, that well, doesn't he? He doesn't... He, he chews the scenery and they use him sparingly where he's not in it enough, but when he is in it, and he, and he is the one who gets most of the slapsticky stuff happen to him. 
Like when he gets you electrocuted, really, isn't Yeah, it? you really yeah. love to see him. He plays it so well and so slimy. You really love to see him brought down a peg every time something happens to him. So I thought that was brilliant, brilliant as well. I thought as well, and we don't often talk about this sort of thing, really, because I guess not, neither of us have worked specifically in this role, which is the direction I thought was really good. So the way that they frame it and everything to look like a sitcom, yeah. along with all, you know, the way it's shot. So there's a bit, isn't there, where, like we, we've already touched on, they create this world where this is the Brady's house, it's all colourful, and when any, anything from outside goes into the house, it's weird, and when anything where they go outside the house, it looks weird. And there's a bit where the villain comes into the house to speak to them, and he opens the door like a guest would on a sitcom. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you, you know, like when someone and friends comes through into the apartment and everyone cheers. Yeah, they So he opens in. the door, and all he's doing is walking in, but he does it where he opens it and like peeks through it. Yeah. And then walks into the house. And I just the dad thought, goes, little... it's open. And he's like, yeah. of course it is. <laughs> but there's little touches like that that make it look like a sitcom, which is does, just yeah. adds to that meta and that self-referential yeah. thing that we've, that we've talked about. Having rewatched it again for this, is there anything else you particularly picked on, up on that you're like, oh, I didn't notice that before, or I really like that? Or is it just, you still love it? I still just really love this movie. It just really makes me laugh and mm. it's one of those things that you kind of know the joke is coming mm. but it still tickles me every single time um and i still i just think like you say the the physical humor is really good in this mm. movie you know you mentioned obviously the slapstick and and more like a link to to airplane um you know in in that regard but um i just really enjoy uh watching this um, and to be honest, it's one of those that um, I actually bought the DVD for the purposes of, of this recording because it used to be on Amazon Prime, I think. Yeah. And then last time I watched it, it was on Amazon Prime and I was just flicking through and I was like, oh, I really want to watch The Brady Bunch again. But it's gone off Amazon Prime now. So I actually bought the DVD and I kind of wish I'd bought the double box set with a very Brady sequel <laughs> because I've not seen that one as much. But a lot of people do say that a very Brady sequel is better. <gasps> oh, interesting right. I mean I love a sequel so I'll so, have to check that out <laughs> so yeah that that's something that I actually really want to revisit uh, with the per well mainly for Sure Jan because I love a good Sure Jan <laughs> uh, Sure Jan um, but yeah it I Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I can't say I noticed anything different this time around. Um, like I say, I've, I've not really watched it that many times. I wouldn't say like I'm proficient in this movie. Not like I would be in something like Grease 2, obviously. Oh, um, but... <laughs> <sighs> But I just think it's it's so much fun. And I know I, I sort of said this as well, but I really do feel like this is so underrated because a lot of people, if they saw this on a DVD shelf or on Amazon Prime, they might skip past it because they'll think, well, I've never seen The Brady Bunch, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to get it. But I you don't yeah, actually need that. to see The Brady Bunch. Some, some parts of it are a little bit, you know, there's a, there's a line where Carol Brady mentions a dog and oh, that yeah. apparently is Tiger, going back the to the, dog, yeah. the TV show where they had a dog for two seasons. I read the trivia. They had a yeah, dog I for did. two seasons. <laughs> um, and basically the, the first dog died and then the second dog wasn't, you know, di- didn't behave. A naughty doggy. Yeah, they couldn't, train. It couldn't, they couldn't train it, could they? Yeah, so they got rid of this dog and the dog just disappeared off the show and no one ever said anything about it. <laughs> so it's like little things like that. You're kind of like, well, I, I don't get that. But it. It's such a throwaway line that it actually doesn't make much, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't enough to like ruin it for me. I didn't feel, yeah. I didn't feel isolated as a viewer that I didn't fully understand because it's such a simple joke that you can kind of get it. It's like, oh, well, obviously that must have been a dog that they had in the TV show, but then there's no consequence to it. And it's not like it's something that they then go on about over and over again. So it's not really a big deal. So it's just like a little nod and a wink to the people who have seen the TV show. But if you haven't seen the TV show, it's cool. Like, it, yeah. it's not a big deal. A lot of the old, like, you know, American sitcoms, you know, if you go back to like the 50s into the 60s and 70s, sitcoms always kind of perpetuated a myth that, every family is a happy family and mm. and that parents always love each other and that children always listen and that, you know, there's never any angst and, and that even for the slightest trouble, everything's solved at the end of the episode. You know, it's like Alice said earlier, it's like, well, I learned something today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've always got the, the dad who's like, now kids. One of the things I love about this movie is, <laughs> is Mike Brady and he's like constantly explaining about... Um, you know, the whole tattletale thing. Yeah. Become a tattletale. Because if you tattle, then you're actually tattling on yourself. And no one wants to tattle on themselves. I'm paraphrasing because I don't know what that's like. I know what you mean, though. Yeah. That was good. But Carol Brady does the same thing in a sense that, well, Mike Brady always says about, you know, that particular line. And then at the end, she's at the end of everything he says, she always says, your father's right. And then basically repeats what he's just said, which is such a sitcom thing. It's, and it is a really silly thing, but I just love that the that, that characters, that they never break character, if you know what mm. I mean. They're always just the Bradys, 
and they they have these 70s sensibilities and the whole um when marsh is with that guy in a car and she's like we're not at the dance and he's like <laughs> you know oh i want to give you something marsha and she's like <laughs> she says to doug You've got your hand on my shoulder. That's third base. You know I don't go there. And it's just, it's just so naive. And, and yeah, it's so brilliant because it, it's Christine Taylor, I think, doesn't get enough recognition for her com, uh, comedic chops because no, I think, I think a lot right. of people nowadays, they're just like, oh, well, I, I don't even think they're still married, but she was Ben Stiller's wife. So she was in a lot of Ben Stiller's comedies. Mm. Um, and I just kind of feel like she is a, so much more funnier than people give her credit for. Yeah. And I think she is really great because she plays it so straight mm-hmm. in this movie. And, and I love that. Um, oh, and the other thing is the fact that Mike Brady's, all his architectural designs are exactly the same. Yeah. With a different logo. <laughs> just just yeah. put a different logo on. And I thought that was so funny. It, it's really puerile comedy if you think about it. But it really works in this setting. It wouldn't work if you put it anywhere else, but it works for the Brady Bunch. Oh, and just uh, the other thing I really liked is that, and then this is going to sound, you know, kind of when we're talking about having a 70s family, you know, put into the 90s, we're talking about like, you know, modern families and stuff. But I really love the fact that the neighborhood that they live in is a diverse neighborhood. Yeah. You know, there's, 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 you know, there's a white couple there, there's a black couple there, and there's a gay couple there. Yeah. And you think, well, 1995, having a gay couple, mm-hmm. you know, in your neighborhood, Depicted on TV, I even not TV movies. I don't think that was really a thing that happened in 1995. No. Very progressive, no, probably in its own is, probably quite sort of fun yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I really good. like that. Okay, so we'll move on then to talking about things that we perhaps didn't like about the film, or that we we might change about the film. I don't think. M is going to have a great massive <laughs> list for this. Oh, um, no. but... I really, like I said, I really struggle to be um, objective. So um, my, <laughs> my don't like list isn't very long. <laughs> yeah, it always, whenever I'm like that with a film, you know, because th- we can be the same. Like we, if we pick a film that we're really emotionally attached to, we always try and find something we don't like. And I don't think we've ever had it where one of us, both of us have gone, no, there isn't anything. I just love this film. Because we always try. So for me, do you remember when we did uh, Pop Star? Oh never yes, stop, never stopping. It's there not. Was, there's it's literally not, nothing not long about enough. that that I don't like. <laughs> that yeah, you couldn't so find good. anything. Your criticism, your criticism was it's not long enough. My criticism was it's not long enough and the, a different Lonely Island song that isn't even featured in the film doesn't have a music video. That's that's like <laughs> I'm just furious at them for that. But whenever we whenever we do this and it's like I can't really think of anything I don't like, it always reminds me of you know that episode of The Simpsons where Homer becomes a food critic. Yeah, and he yeah, won't that and he is won't, us. And he won't say anything bad about any of the restaurants. So everyone yeah. in Springfield just becomes overweight because they're yeah. constantly eating at the restaurants. Yeah. Just but, but that but with films. But is there anything you perhaps don't like or would change, Em? Doesn't yeah, have to be. So, yeah, then no, there is. Um, I I get a little bit um I get a little bit of discomfort with Mrs. Dittmeyer, especially mm. when she mm. uh her remarks to Greg and Peter Brady, you know, where she's like putting the putting the mail into his pocket mm-hmm. and she says something like, Oh, you're getting big like your daddy, or something yep. like that. And I'm like, oh my yep. god, like this guy, this is a minor. Like this this is yeah. a kid. He's not even in college. So like mm. he's 17. Um and then like the I don't I don't know how old all the kids are supposed to be, but I assume he's 17. 
So I assumed that Peter Braid is maybe like a couple of years younger because yeah. he's like, his voice hasn't quite broken. So yeah, there's like that scene at the, the gag, end, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> where his voice goes really deep and it's, it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, she's really inappropriate. <laughs> and that just feels really off. Uh, I suppose in like 1995, that was like considered to be quite funny. Um, mm. But I mean, it's Jean Smart uh, playing mm. Mrs. Dittmeyer and, and she is fantastic. Just generally, like, good, I love her she? as an yeah. actress. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, that, that's kind of a bit doesn't really sit very well kind yeah, of with because the if you swap, if you swapped if you swapped the sexes it'd be really creepy yeah like you'd be freaked out uh, yeah so so why why i suppose why is it acceptable yeah because he's a exactly. bloke i guess is, is um, sort of what you're saying isn't it yeah and um, we've obviously mentioned about the it being based on a tv show and i do think some of the callbacks to the show like you say they're not always picked up if you're a non-viewer of the show. Yes. But I don't think yeah. that's a massive problem. Like, I wouldn't say that that is a reason not to watch the movie at all, because it doesn't matter. Yeah. But there are some little nods, I think, in there um, that are a little bit, uh, yeah, you kind of don't get that unless you then go on IMDb and read the trivia. Like, like the dog, like uh, the dog one. Like, like the dog thing. But again, it's such a throwaway line, it doesn't actually matter. It's not um, integral to the plot and it's not integral to the jokes. And I think that's where you yeah. would lose people if you kept sort of exactly. hammering home these jokes that were like, oh, if you watch the show, you'd get it. But it doesn't yeah. really do that. Yeah. And I suppose the other thing, kind of talking about the plot, I mean, this is a very simple plot. This is literally a child could have written this plot. Yes. It's so, it's so remarkably simple. But again, it's like that kind of is in the movie's favour a little bit because if it was more complicated, then I don't think it would be that easy to just sort of sit and watch it. Uh, if, if you had all these complicated arcs for all these characters, there are literally no story arcs apart from Jan loses her schizophrenic voices and they go to Cindy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, like... No one else really has a story arc at all. It's literally just, we need to find $20,000. How are we going to do that? Let's try several things. Let's oh, sing. and now there's yeah. a contest. And the prize is exactly $20,000. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, Where's it's that very money contrived. coming from as well? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is the school well, paying that? Like, what? <laughs> who knows? It's so contrived. Uh, but again, it's like, I feel like I can't not like the... I can't not not like the fact that it's contrived, if you know mm. what I mean. Yeah. Because it just kind of adds to its charm a little bit. It's kind of um, the point, isn't it, sort of thing, that it is contrived. It's sort of, that's part of its charm, isn't it, like you yeah. say? Yeah, yeah. So, to be honest, my don't likes are really, I don't like this, but uh, it adds to its charm. <laughs> Apart from the Mrs. <laughs> Dittmeyer stuff, which is creepy. <laughs> uh, creepy. Yeah. What, about, what about you, Alice? Anything? Uh, so, there were two things on my list, but they don't really stand up if we... Because obviously both of you have confirmed for me now that this is parody and it's poking fun of itself and it's poking fun at, you know, these uh, typical tropes that you would see in certain things. Um, the the main one was some of the, uh, like, male gaze camera work and narrative directed at Marsha. So she's got this scene where she's walking through school in a very short skirt and everybody's staring at her and the song, like, I'm your Venus, I'm your fire, your desire, which is a very mature song about sexuality. And she is a young teenager, right? She's maybe like 16, 17 years old. And I feel like the camera really lingers on her. And a lot of the narrative is about how pretty she is and about how good looking she is. And sometimes it made me feel a bit uncomfortable. But if we're talking parody, if we're talking about something that's poking fun at the genre, 
then that isn't an issue because it's saying, yeah. oh yeah, isn't it ridiculous how we sexualize schoolgirls? And isn't it ridiculous how, you know, the camera lingers on these like young people and, and especially going hand in hand with what you said about Mrs. Dittmeyer's attitude towards the two boys that live next door. Crazy. So that made me feel a bit uncomfortable, but I think it works within the genre. Um, and the other thing was that I was just kind of unsure how to digest the whole thing because I wasn't sure. Like, I was like, is this taking the piss or is this meant to be a depiction of this really sort of saccharine sweet? And, you know, um, have you seen Meet Me in St. Louis? Um, no, I haven't. I haven't. So that's kind of very, we did that on the podcast long, long time ago now, but that's very, everything is very much like this, but they're trying to portray it as like a genuine thing. As like, a, oh, we need the audience to forget about the troubles that are happening right now or forget about politics or whatever. We just need them to look at this beautiful, pristine white family and just think that this is the ideal and that this is the American dream. But now I feel like that the Brady Bunch movie is doing that, but it's all tongue-in-cheek, isn't it? It's all saying, oh, look at this kind of genre. Look at all these tropes. Aren't they ridiculous? Here's how we can poke fun at it. So then really, I don't think there was anything I didn't like about it. When you take <laughs> away those things. What about yes. you, Josh? <laughs> um, there's there's not loads for me. There's two things, and, and you've both sort of touched on it already. What The first is, I wonder if you would get more out of it if you'd watched the series if you had an attachment to the characters. And I wonder if that then informed its success, because I wonder if it wasn't obvious enough, perhaps, that it was a parody. So people felt it was a big screen adaptation, like something like the Inbetweeners movie or something like that. So mm -hmm. people didn't know what to make of it. So maybe people didn't go if they hadn't seen the Brady Bunch TV show because they thought it was an adaptation, when in fact it's a parody slash slash adaptation it's both it balances them really well but i wonder if that informed actually how it was received the other thing is and i don't know what you make of this is i, I was it's not even necessarily a criticism but do you think we needed to know why they were in the 70s because i know why it is because the plot that takes it needs to be and that's the whole you know aesthetic of the film but it doesn't explain why all the characters are stuck in the 70s but it's the 90s do you know what i mean so they're all in the 70s clothes and everything and everything in their house is 70s it doesn't explain why they haven't moved on it's just that they haven't which may be it's obviously a personal choice that may be a strength of the film but do you think we'd have got more out of it if it explained why they hadn't moved on or do you think no. that's the point yeah no I, I don't i really don't i think that's the point it's literally yeah. just lampooning that you know stupidity of a family who are living in the 90s and they're stuck in the 70s. Um, and I kind of feel like if the movie took the time to explain that, that it would take away some of the magic of this really naive situation. Yeah. Um, because I feel like if, if the family then moves on 20 years, um, the, the, the kind of silly situations they find themselves in, like with the carjacking, and it's mm. like the, when the guy's like, this is a car jack. Oh, yeah. And he's like, well, well, thanks, but my name's not Jack. And, yeah. you know, all of those really stupid things, like that wouldn't work for a family that is in the 90s. Yeah. You know, that, that knows the 90s. Um, so it is the fish out of water thing is, I always felt was kind of the point that the comedy yeah. doesn't work if they're not completely unaware of being in 1995. 
Yeah, um, as, I, as I say, it wasn't necessarily a criticism. It was something that just popped into my head. But I actually, maybe if you explained it, you know, if you said the time traveled or they've been frozen in time or something like that, then it would just over egg the pudding a bit and over explain it to the audience when yeah, in fact think, not explaining it is, yeah, is where I the comedy comes from. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I don't think it needs to be explained. I think it just is, which mm. I know sounds really contrived anyway, just to say, well, it just is. So you just got to deal with it. But it's yeah, it that it that just is how it is. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure there are people out there who aren't particularly happy with the movie for that reason that it's like, well, it doesn't explain why they're in the 90s. But I just don't think it needs to um at all. I mean, I what do you think, Alice? That that had never even crossed my mind. <laughs> I, I honestly hadn't even thought about it. So for me, I didn't feel like that I just don't think it was really missing anything. I think the way no. the way it was constructed, the the lack of explanation about it is why it's funny. And you've just you just kind of believe that this family, oh, they just are the way that they are. And you just kind of accept it for face value. But no, I personally didn't feel like I needed more explanation. But I think some people, some cinema goers mm. may feel that way and may, f you would have questions, I suppose, but I just didn't have those questions and it didn't ruin the enjoyment for me at all. Okay, so we'll move on then to talking about the critical reception and then we'll try and conclude as to whether it is underrated, underseen, etc. So, how do you think it did, Alice? Oh, well, I feel like because. M feels that it is underrated. It probably didn't do as well as what I would give it. I would easily throw it into like the mid sevens. I thought there was a lot to enjoy there. It was really funny. So much effort has gone into the mise-en-scene, into the script writing and finding those really witty moments. Um, but I do wonder if, if you haven't seen The Brady Bunch, you just wouldn't click with it, even though I did, but I feel like you wouldn't choose to watch it. So I wonder if it just maybe hasn't grabbed the audience that it potentially could have done. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like maybe it didn't do really well, like at all. I wonder if maybe it got like a five Ooh, or like a five, a five, a five and a half. Five. I'll go with a five. five. I don't know. I'm so interested to know what the Sorry. critics thought of it because I feel like this could swing either way. Do you know how it did, Em? Have you looked it up or do you not know? I, I know how it did financially. Yeah. Oh, um, interesting. I don't really know how it did critically. I didn't mm. really look into critics. Uh, I just saw that there was some financial information on the Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> okay, well, let's have a look then. So, at the time of recording on IMDb, it gets 6.1 out of 10. On okay. Rotten Tomatoes, at the time oh, of recording, the critics give it 63%. Okay, a bit more generous than I thought. And the audience give it 47%. Oh, what? <laughs> so for me, I mean, I mean, I think that is, I think even 63 They didn't get it. Is, they yeah, didn't get it. I think, the audience I think, didn't get it, clearly. But I think oh even the critics, God. I think even 63, I, I think this is a solid seven and above. I think yeah. it's a solid Film. seven and a bit, yeah, like a yeah, seven, yeah, two, yeah. seven and a half. Three. Give it seven easy, and a half. Easy yeah. underrated for me. What about you guys? What about you, Em? Underrated? Absolutely underrated. Yeah. 100% yeah. underrated. Yeah, Alice? Yeah. I would say that's underrated and I would definitely say it's underseen. I just don't think, I don't think, I think you said it before, Em, no one is out there scrolling Amazon, Netflix, Now, whatever it might be, and seeing this and going, oh yeah, that's the film for me. 
And I never would have seen it, never would have heard of it if it wasn't for you coming on the podcast. So yeah, I think underrated and underseen. What what, what did you see financially out of interest? Uh, So I saw that it, I saw the figures that it did in America and then I saw the figures that it did overseas. Mm. Um, Because, you know, I suppose this is one of those that it is an American sitcom. So kind of makes sense it would do better. Yeah. In America. Um, And also kind of makes sense it wouldn't perhaps do so well in a country like here. I don't think the UK's ever had like the Brady Bunch on syndication. Like, you know, like, Back mm. in the day when, you know, Bewitched and I Dream of Genie and all of those kind of sitcoms would be on TV here. I don't think The Brady Bunch has ever been on TV here. No, so. that's interesting. No, no, yeah. I, I, I can't remember ever seeing like it. Cheers and Frasier and that was exactly. just on a loop. I think Frasier's yeah. still on on Channel 4 every morning. <laughs> well, yeah, you think of something like Friends. I mean, that's yeah. like universal. Pretty much everyone in the world knows what Friends is. Um, but I, I genuinely, and I, I, I might be proven wrong. Someone might say, actually, it was on Channel 4 in 1986 oh, yeah, or whatever. <laughs> but, um, but as far as I'm aware, this is, the Brady Bunch was never on TV here. So mm. kind of makes sense that no one would watch something called the Brady Bunch movie if they didn't <laughs> know that the Brady Bunch was a thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I know that it did um, well. Josh, why didn't you tell us? <laughs> so I don't know. So I don't know. How it did financially, but I think I think I think we've hit the nail on the head there, which is that it, it didn't. It we, neither me or Alice had seen it before, which is usually a good indication that something's underseen. And ultimately, it's definitely underrated. So are we say what? We, what do we think? Conclusion: underrated and underseen. Both double yes. whammy. The double in both piles. The double whammy. Absolutely. There we go. Um, well, Em, thanks very much for coming on. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And and to be honest, I didn't know that neither of you had seen this movie. <laughs> so, because you didn't tell me that you hadn't seen it beforehand. We don't, beforehand. we don't. Um, and, but I'm delighted that, you ha- well, not that I'm delighted that you hadn't seen it. That sounds wrong. But I'm delighted <laughs> that you both actually really enjoyed it because mm. there was always a bit of a fear there that if you hadn't seen it, then maybe one or both of you would be like, nah, it's really crap. <laughs> but I was worried yeah. about that as well. I was like, imagine we've got M to come on after all this time, and it's just like, oh, this is shit. This. <laughs> so, oh my god, what has she made us watch? This is yeah. the biggest part of shit ever. How are we gonna I have faith. I have faith in your taste. <laughs> um, so, M, where do where do the listeners find your stuff? What can we? Where, where can they get hold of your stuff? Well, you can get hold of my podcast if you wish. So Verbal Diorama is basically the podcast all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. So I basically take a look into uh, film history, how some how something was made, basically, because I'm fascinated about how movies were made. I haven't done an episode on the Brady Bunch movie. Ooh, uh, and to be honest, I had a quick look and there's not actually that much information out there about how they made yeah. the Brady Bunch movie. But that's not to say it won't make an appearance at some point in the future because, as you've probably gathered, I really enjoyed this movie um, and I really do think it deserves more eyes slash ears on it. Um, And I really hope, actually, that people listening to this, that maybe if they do see a copy of the Brady Bunch movie and they go, you know, on their streaming site or DVD rentals or whatever... Rentals, they don't even exist anymore. TV, what are I talking about? I don't think oh I do. Oh my God, <laughs> I'm so old. Go to your local in your DVD rentals. <laughs> Stop at Woolworths on the way home, get some pick and mix. <laughs> uh, actually, I like our price. Um, but, uh, 
But anyway, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to say DVD rental. DVD rental. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I'm guessing you're going to keep all this in to uh, embarrass me. Hell but, yeah. Uh, always. Always. <laughs> but anyway, uh, as I was saying about my podcast, uh, <laughs> not about DVD rentals, um, I do hope that people do, if they find this movie, they do give it a chance because it is absolutely worth it and yeah if people want to find me they can find me on all of your podcast apps of choice if you're interested in film history and whatnot um uh you can also find me on social media uh come and chat to me about the brady bunch movie um i am at verbal diorama on twitter instagram and facebook um and i also write for film stories as well so there you go i do all sorts i podcast i write I love Grease too and Keanu Reeves, as, as Josh basically said at the start. So if you want to talk to me about any of those, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, so there we go there, the Brady Bunch movie, underrated and underseen, the rare double whammy sliding into the vault, Alice. There it goes, there it goes. Um, real worthy, real worthy of A that, worthy contender. A cracking film. Um, thank you very much to M for coming on. Yes, we will be back you. in your ears with another episode next week. Uh, in the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with us, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com and we're on all the usual social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Uh, just search for Just Films and That. And we're also on your television sets, aren't we, Alice? We are indeed. So every Friday from 6pm, you can find us on the local TV network. So if you live in Bristol, Birmingham, Leeds, Liverpool or the northeast of England, you can find us on Channel 7 on free View. or if you live in North or South Wales you can find us on Channel 8 on Freeview we're also on Sky on Channel 195 that's every Friday from 6pm and sometimes Mondays as well yes there we go so uh, we will be back in your ears with a new episode next week Alice Oliver thank you for joining me pleasure as always Josh and thank you it's goodbye from me cheerio bye Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. 
Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.